Yo, what's up, everybody? Uh, welcome back to another episode of Champagne Room Hoops podcast. Uh, joined again by uh, Bill Cole and Brandon Paul. You can find them both on Twitter uh, and Instagram at BP3 and BuckWildBill33. Uh, thanks for joining us again, guys. Uh, what's been going on with you two lately? No, nothing really. Just just working and looking forward to this podcast and uh, catching a lot of flack from uh, all my Indiana connections after last night's game. So trying to stay off the phone, trying to stay off offline until uh, all my comments like Illinois by a million on the uh, <laughs> Beyond the Big Ten official Instagram, are, I'm sure they're getting beat up right now. So just trying to stay offline today. Yeah, I mean, that was rough. You hate to see a loss, but you hate to see a loss against IU. Um, I'm just out here in Germany, still living the dream, traveling, enjoying myself while I still can. I'm 31. I feel like I'm 36 because the European years adds some time onto it. But um, yeah, I'm enjoying myself. Is that why you got the hat on? Yeah, man, I need a haircut. It's rough. I need, I need to fly my barber out here or something. It's rough. <laughs> this guy coming out here. Go ahead. How do you watch the games from from out there? What do you do? You stream them? How, how do you watch them? Yeah, it's a thing. It's craziest. It's the craziest thing. It's a thing called a computer. And I have oh. internet and it helps me connect. No, um, I usually, I, I literally have logins for all my friends' accounts. So like my boy records them on his Xfinity. I have a VPN, which is a virtual private network for the, for the elder people watching this, which allows me <laughs> to watch whatever I need to watch in Europe. Asia, wherever I'm at, it tricks your computer to making it think that it's back in the States. So I've been using the same one for about 10 years now. Uh, I'm not even going to plug it because I, I need that sponsorship. But um, <laughs> yeah, I use Xfinity. I use YouTube TV. Shout out to my boy, uh, Jeff Aronson. Shout out to Hisham. Uh, Hish, he's, he's, they, they got my uh, login credentials, so I'm set. 15 minutes ago, pre-pod, we couldn't tell if you had it in it or not because it was like a shadow in our screen. So I finally we'll found a room slide. with some decent lighting, and I'm literally in my hallway. And so I have some crazy kids that live in this building. If they, if they wake up at any moment, we're going to hear some yelling in the background. So hopefully that doesn't happen. We'll roll with it. Yeah, it is what it is. All right, so let's tip it off. Illini, uh, last time we talked, um, came off a big win versus Michigan State. Um, first, we talked about uh, them going on the road uh, to Minnesota um, and try to take care of business. Um, previous pod, they kind of had that same situation where they had to uh, go to Nebraska and, and kind of get, get sort of a business win. Um, so we talked about them going to Minnesota after a big emotional win versus Michigan State, um, and they did just that. Um, you know, went and handled their business at a place where – we said was we just kind of disagreed on easy to play, not easy to play. Um, but I thought they, they put on a good performance uh, versus Minnesota and did what they had to do to, to come out with a W. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it was just like you said, just a business trip, really. I thought it was similar to ne Nebraska vibes where they were just so much bigger and more athletic than Minnesota that all they really had to do was make a few shots, run a few sets, and then they just kind of saw the game out from there. Um, I thought, you know, they stuck, unlike Indiana, which we'll get into, they kind of stuck to running sets. You saw a lot of stuff for Terrence Shannon really early on. I thought that hurt Minnesota. I thought Dane Danger was really good again in the Minnesota game. So pretty much just, a, you know, your run-of-the-mill Minnesota victory. No one's going to get too hype about it. No one's going to get 
um, too analytical about what happened. I just think it was, in general, just better talent across the board that really, really showed through. Yeah, it's funny you say that, Bill, because if we lose that game, people definitely get hype about the loss. You know, they start panicking. They hit the panic button, start talking about this, that, and the other. But, uh, you know, they, they showed up. They took care of business. They, they showed up to Minnesota with a chip on their shoulder. And I think any Big Ten win on the road that's damn near a 20-point win is impressive. And I saw Underwood go into his bench a little bit more. You got to see uh, Brandon Lee get in the game, and you can definitely tell he's been putting in the work because, you know, you haven't seen him in a long time. But he came in, he knew what he was supposed to do, got some really good minutes out there. And uh, I think that's something that Illini fans can be excited about, you know, not only for the future of his career, but just the future of the team as far as going deep and deeper into the rotation. Yeah, just 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 a quality win uh, on the road in the Big Ten, uh, which obviously doesn't come easy. Uh, Let's get into some of the X's and O's. And we're going to transition into the big one, which was Indiana last night. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Um, we talked about these little two-game stretches that the Illini have had the last few weeks where um, you got to get a quality win, and then you have a team like a Michigan State, Wisconsin, and uh, this time it was Indiana coming into Champaign. Um, that was kind of reeling a little bit. Um, they had lost some games um, leading into this game. and So, so Illinois-Indiana is obviously, you both know, a humongous rival. Humongous rival for the team, humongous rival for the fan bases. Um, so it's, it's a big deal. It's an emotional game. Um, and I, I feel like we could call, name this pod, the Trace Jackson Davis podcast, um, and, and just, in and have it be a wrap. But, um, that was just a shellacking. It was not a good performance. Um, I'll get into a little bit of what I thought as far as it kind of gave me some Northwestern game vibes as far as mm. their approach, um, an emotional state. Um, but Bill, go ahead. What'd you see? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to be too much of like the sky is falling, but I think the, the easy way to look at this team that would maybe give you less heart attacks. If you're an Illinois fan is, is basically our ceiling is literally beat anyone in the country and our floor is literally lose to anyone in the country. Um, especially when we're not hitting shots. And then, I mean, you touched on it. It's tough to even like, sit here and opine on what happened in the game when literally Trace Jackson Davis basically made every shot he took. He, they had 50 some or almost 60 points in the paint. Indiana did their other power forward was also like six for eight or something like that. So it's, it was, you know, if, you know, Underwood has forgotten more about coaching than I'll ever know. Like, let me preface this statement. But just the refusal to like double or full front Trace Jackson Davis, I could see if it was like a player where you were just like, oh, he's kind of playing out of his mind right now. He'll come back down to earth. But, you know, this is like a McDonald's All-American NBA type guy, uh, 13 points a game his freshman year. Like this is a real big time player that started getting off on us. And it just seemed like they, they never changed. And Sam, we talked about this in Northwestern. Like the defense didn't change until we were down 20 with eight minutes left. And then they threw that press on there and it was like instantly two turnovers just from changing up something a little. So I I do have to question. And then after the game, he came out and said that Trace Jackson Davis's 35 wasn't what hurt him. And I'm like, I don't know. Someone's going to have to explain that to me. I'm sure he's he's he went with that whole like we're going to let him get his and nobody else can get off. I just I don't like that strategy. I've seen that not not work too many times. I mean, if you cut his production in half, 
it's a game, right? He came in, like you said, he barely missed. Uh, he got to the positions on the floor that he wanted to get to. And, you know, Coach Brown did a great job with that. And he's a great player. And ironically enough, we take a look at the Illinois student section scouting report. And the first number on there is 23 Trace Jackson. And it goes, a fun fact, has progressively gotten worse over the last three years. Uh, maybe he got a hold of that scouting report and he took it personally because he came out and showed, uh, you know, why he, he is who he is. And uh, we, we didn't have an answer for him. Uh, he, like I said, he moved around on the floor where he wanted to. And I feel like if you control some of that, Bill, like you said, if you maybe throw a double his way, maybe send some guys to dig a little bit more and make, uh, make them shoot more from the outside, it could be a different game. You know, it could be a different game. So uh, don't want to panic about it, but you hate to lose a game like that. You hate to lose to Indiana, especially with the type of rivalry we have. And I saw, I think they're up 95 to 91 in, in the entire series. And that hurts the soul, man. It hurts the soul. So, Yeah, Bill, to your comment, um, I watched Underwood's uh, entire postgame presser, and I was um, – I, I, too, was questioning some of the things he said. Now, listen, like you prefaced it, too. I mean, he's been doing this a long time, and he knows his team, and he knows how to handle the media, and, and I think he's great uh, with the media. He's, he's pretty brutally honest. Um, but two themes I, I heard in the presser um, was one you brought up, Bill, about how, like, we're not worried about, you know, him getting 35. We, we want to make sure the others, you know, didn't get off. But, I mean, it's college basketball, right? Like, there's not five studs on every team. Um, you usually have one or two at this level, one or two studs that you're going to gear up your scouting report to take them out of what they do and, and make it tough on them and then try to let other other players beat you um, and maybe get out of their norm that aren't used to having the ball in their hands or aren't used to scoring or aren't used to making plays. Um, and I thought that that was kind of weird because I feel like Illinois did the opposite of that. It was like they, they directed – I mean, literally let Indiana just throw the ball into him and he had very little resistance. I mean um, – Dane was on him most of the game one-on-one, -on -one, um, and that's not an easy matchup for anybody. Um, mm -hmm. So I didn't see any double teams. He said in the presser that they did do it. Um, I didn't notice it. Um, he was just, I mean, 15 for 19 from the field. Um, that's just, I mean, he, he had a game, I get it, guys go off um, every once in a while, but I just didn't like the whole thought process and demeanor about it. And the other thing um, that he kept alluding to in the presser was about this whole 19 days straight um, that they've been playing, practicing, had some in some way, shape, or form have been doing basketball stuff. In other words, they haven't had a day off in 19 days. Um, and he alluded to it like five or six times, and the media was kind of hammering him a little bit about it, um, which I get, right? I think he's being honest, is that because they looked like a, a dead team. They looked like a, a team that had no emotion, that had no energy, that we've seen the last handful of games. Um, so, so I get it. Um, I, I just and he he did give Indiana credit, which let let's do that too. Let's let's give Indiana credit for the way they played. But I don't think it's so much about that as it is about how we didn't show up. Yeah, I, I just keep thinking back to when teams can match. Like we touched on it already when we talked about Minnesota. Like the teams, the Minnesota Minnesotas and Nebraskas of the world, the teams that were just like we are just much more athletically capable at every position. We just like roll over those teams, but like the Missouri's of the world, the teams that can match us with quickness 
and uh, jumping ability and speed on the on the wings. Switching. We we can absolutely take horrific shots against those teams because we don't get to the basket. And I just think that that shot selection came back down. It was the the prior four games was starting with Wisconsin was up to an A in my book, and now it was like straight back to an F last night. Someone's gonna have to explain that to me as well, right? Like against Minnesota, they start out the game with like it seemed like every time down they ran a set to get someone isolated, and this was back to where people were just dribbling, just pounding the air out of the rock on offense. And I thought just the shot selection was like we were back, you know, three weeks ago, and I, I just. I don't know. I didn't get that from an offensive perspective. And like I said, the defense, the game was the game was so slow for Trace Jackson Davis. Like, I don't think people realize how hard that is to catch those balls in that position and like back to the basket and just score any which way. He even caught the one like with his like behind his head and reverse alley hooped it. Like that's the type of flow that he was in. And just to like not like you said, he almost put danger on an island like for the whole night. Like just let him get exposed. And uh, I don't know. I felt kind of bad for the kid because, like, you know, the first five times, like, shame on me. But, you know, the last five times, shame on you. Like, throw, throw me some help. Like, there, there, there are certain matchups. It's like mm. when I was trying to guard Blake Griffin in AAU. It's like there's certain matchups. You just, you just, you just can't do it physically, nah, he right? Like, punished you Trace, in that matchup. <laughs> oh, he, I think he had 65 rebounds. And his brother, Taylor Griffin, was on the other block. <laughs> I, I purposely fouled out in like three you minutes. Bowl, bro? He purposely fouled out. <laughs> I was doing everything. <laughs> no, but I'm saying like throw Dane a little help. I think he just yeah. let him get. I mean, I don't know. It was that performance was wild to watch just because it was like, all right, eventually so you're going to have to make someone else beat you, and it just every time it went the ball went into him, and every time he scored. Yeah, I mean the kid is good. Obviously, you got to give credit to him. Give credit to Indiana. Give credit to the coach. Um, and it doesn't help that we went nine for 23 from the free throw line. And, and when, when guys go to the free throw line, there's just probably three or four guys on the roster where I'm like, okay, you can add two points to the board. Everyone else is kind of just like hit or miss, you know, in a literal standpoint. And it was a lot of misses. Guys were coming in the game missing. Um, you know, so, so little stuff like that adds up, right? Little stuff like that adds up, especially when that game is going the way that it was going that's something that can put you back in the game. You know, you, you chop those misses in half, gives you a little bit more confidence when you look at the scoreboard, and, and instead of 15, it might say 11 or 10 or 9 just from hitting your free throws. And it, it just didn't seem a lot of stuff like a lot of stuff was, was going for the Illinois. Yeah, the most frustrating thing for me watching, and, and Bill, you were, there's really nobody to single out uh, from last night because there's really – not a lot to talk about as far as individual performances, but um, I, I feel like a recurring theme um, of this podcast since we've been on and we've been talking about Illinois' offensive struggles from game to game has been the, Bill, you said sh shot selection, and, and I've mentioned running sets and getting guys specific looks or putting them in specific positions or situations to be successful and play to their strengths. So, Bill, to your comment, um, I feel like Matt Myers, a guy that we talked about a lot that struggled getting going early in the season. And then the last three weeks, he's been awesome. He's been what I think that the staff and Illini fans and, and the team have wanted. He's gotten comfortable. He's gotten in more of a rhythm. He's clearly uh, uh, their best shooter. Um, you feel good about it when it leaves his hand. Um, and, and last night at one point, um, 
in the first half, I don't know if it was like two or three minutes ago, I, I looked at the box score and he was 0 for 1 from the field. Now, t- to me, that just can't happen. Now, Underwood did say in his, his postgame presser that he was sick and not feeling well, but um, who cares, right? Um, you're on the floor. So, <laughs> like, but, but that, that's like, to me, is, 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 is what you talk about offensively, right? Like, that kid should get eight to 12 looks a game. He should get four to six shots off of a double, off of a triple where he's wide open and the rest of it can come through the flow of the offense. But I, I just think it's unacceptable to have a player that's capable of scoring 20 to 25, which he's proven, a, cap- a guy that's capable of of getting hot and rattling off three, four threes in a row like he did versus Texas to only have one shot. I think he finished the first half with two shots and he finished the game 0 for 4, but it just it just doesn't – it's bizarre. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Uh, I think he also had a few really bad turnovers in the first half. It's just out of char- char- characteristic – uncharacteristic for him let me let me switch that up it was uncharacteristic of him in the first half to have all those turnovers and then the fact that like you said he he almost like has to go hunt his shots mm. off the bounce and that's not and his know, game no i know he can do it he did it at madison square garden and then kind of like the door yeah, bro. and he was trying to do it every other game and i think like you said like like run him some pin downs or like get him in an action or let him come more natural i don't i don't know but the 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 uh the old step back shoot off the dribble NBA range threes reared their head for a couple players last night. And those need they need like a shot collar on their necks. The second those guys start pounding the rock and not passing it from wing to wing, like they just need to like buzz them or zap them or something. Man, I'm not going to sit here and say I had the best shot selection in college because I sure as shit didn't. Um, But there's definitely a difference between bad shot selection and heat checks. And we get to a point where we come down and we're just, like you said, we're, we're drilling the air out the ball and we just launch something. And I'll say it again. These kids are so talented. They're a lot more talented than, than a lot of us were at that age. Um, and I still think there's a lot of basketball left and I still think they're going to for sure have a special season. But when, when you look at the games, I'm, I'm not kidding when I say this. And I need somebody who does stats to fact check this. To fact check this. I have never seen more air balls in a season it's true. more than I've seen this year. Like, in my, in my entire four years at Illinois, I don't think we airballed as much as they have this season. Like, it's crazy when you see the amount of airballs that go up. And it's not because these kids can't play. It's not because they can't shoot. It's shot selection. It's shot selection. It's a little bit of confidence. And it's being able to put yourself in a position to be around your strengths. Like, uh, Terrence Shannon is a, is a kid who's who's – Transitionally, you, you can't really stop him, right? Downhill, you can't really stop him. He's going to get to his left whenever he wants to get to his left. Uh, and sometimes he, he settles a little bit. And, you know, he hasn't developed a shot where it's like you're, you're confident in him taking the, the four shots that he might take. And I feel for it. Sometimes you might get out of character just because of the way the game is going. But down the stretch, it's going to hurt them because there's going to be teams that are going to punish those types of misses, you know? And that's a great point, Brandon, because, you know, a lot of teams and Underwood is, is it's, I think he's really good defensively is, you know, the old adage, defense creates offense. And, and that works a lot of the time, um, especially for, for Terrence Shannon Jr. I feel like he gets a lot of his transition stuff and, and gets a lot of his rhythm in game sometimes off of his defense, um, which in turn makes you more comfortable in, in getting a rhythm as a team offensively. But um 
when that doesn't work, right? When you're not in the passing lanes, when you're struggling defensively, you're struggling to get stops. Like Brandon, like you said, later on in the season, when it's time to execute, mm-hmm. I don't see it. And I don't know. I mean, you guys know in shoot around, when you have shoot around and you go through your scouting report and you prepare, you usually do like the first walk, first possession or two are scripted, right? Like offensively, you either have a set um, or you have a, a situation where you want to get someone a ball in a specific uh, spot on the floor. Um, your first one, two or three plays. Um, and I'm not sure if, if that's the way teams do it or anymore or coaches uh, do it, but I just I don't see any of it throughout a game. It's one thing if you go eight minutes and it's helter-skelter and you can't get anything going and you can't get a rhythm, but even ATOs, after timeout situation, right? I don't see many sets run. I don't see, you know, let's get Meyer a shot here. Let's get Terrence Shannon a, a free side, reject a ball screen, and get him in the free throw line. I, I don't see much of that, and it's frustrating because he's got weapons, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about it. I mean... I feel like every time, like, Taron Shannon went off early in the year, you know, he had 25 last week. Um, Dane played great for Michigan State. I feel like it was all self-imposed, like, out of the flow of the offense. Those guys just went off, right? Um, But you got four or five guys that can make plays and all do something a little different that can really, really, really make a defense adjust and have to think um, and have to try to stop you. Um, I, I just don't see them using those weapons. Yeah. I think you're I think you're dead on. One, Brandon touched on it earlier. I see the same exact thing. We do not push the ball. We don't create our own transition enough and like flatten the defense out. Even if it's just a, like a a fake transition just to get the defense all, and, and allow some easy catches. Those first 10 possessions last night, we were catching the ball out near half court. And then it just like and then next thing they look up and the shot clock's at 14 and you're like you're panicking. And the second thing I noticed, like, I had to check my stats app in the middle of the game because I'm like, when they were firing up all those threes, I I was like, I know we make a lot of threes per game as a team, but then I looked it up. We were like, we're 210th in the country in three-point percentage. Like, we we do not shoot it at a good clip. We just take a lot of them, and we create a lot of possessions with our defense because our defense is top 12 in the country. Mm -hmm. So, like, there needs to come a point where it's almost like golf, right? Like, I know Terrence Shannon is, you know, all the reports are that he takes, whatever, 400 shots, threes a day, and he works harder than anyone. But, like, there's a little bit where if you're working on your game on the course, right, like, if you're trying to prove that you can shoot threes in the middle of the game, like, I don't know that we want all of these guys doing that. And, and, and the key to that is if he can, then, okay, then let's get him better shots. Like, that's the key to everything. Right. That's a good point. Like, Brandon, for instance, I mean, you were obviously different, like, you you were capable of going, especially end of a shot clock. You were capable of beating a defender and pretty much getting a shot that you wanted or a look that you wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Terrence Shannon Jr. Is, is somewhat capable of that, um, but there's still like you were also at times and you you were put in a position to where you were coming off a screen or or you were coming out off of Iverson cut, yeah. right? And you were catching the ball with the defense moving and shifting, and then into a ball screen or something. You were still put in positions to make your life easier, right? And maybe get a high percentage shot or create something for your teammates. Yeah, you know, it was it was good to have, you know, certain plays, certain screeners get me open. And it's like you said, players are going to make plays at the end of the day. Um, but as a score, and sometimes you can say as a volume score, um, it makes, it makes the, t- the job a lot tougher when you're just trying to go out there and make a play every time. 
you know, when you're trying to make a play when the offense breaks down, especially if the spacing is not there, you know, because I think their offense has been a lot better the last few games for sure, but sometimes the spacing is not there and he's trying to go one-on-one and there's, there's help there. So he gets caught in positions where he doesn't necessarily – you know, I can't put the blame on him. I can't put the blame on really anybody. It's just they got to figure no, it out. I agree. What are we doing for when it's 10 seconds left, we need a bucket. What are we doing? Are we clearing a side? Are we, are we, are we giving a, a, pick and, a pick and roll with, with Dane in there, Coleman in there? There's too many, like, there's too much moving around the arc where they're just kind of weaving it and they're not really making any progress. They're just kind of weaving it and their teams are starting to switch. Teams are sitting back. And then they get pushed into a situation where they got to launch a three and, and, and hope that it goes in, hope that danger cleans it up. Um, but, you know, I, I think this is going to come with film, watching film, going to come with a little bit more experience with this. And, um, you know, like I said, I don't think it's time to hit the panic button, but there was definitely some things that we saw that made us a little uncomfortable. Um, but I, I'm still excited about what, what this team is about to do. And, you know, hopefully they can watch this film and, and figure some things out. Yeah, so with with that being said, um, let's transition into scouting report. Four and four in the Big Ten, right? So not the sky is not falling, like you said, Bill uh, and Brandon. It's not time to hit the panic button. They had a little bit of a letdown versus Indiana, which gave us some nightmares of, of how they looked versus Northwestern. But um, just like the Big Ten is, you turn right around now, um, Ohio State um, coming up. Now, Ohio State has lost five in a row. Um, so they're having a, a really tough go of it in, in the Big Ten uh, right now. Um, and then to follow them is Wisconsin is waiting for us, just chomping at the bit, salivating in uh, Madison um, to get back at us. So yeah. first, let's talk a little bit about Ohio State. Um, we get some more home cooking Tuesday, um, a team that's lost five in a row, like I said. Um, Got to handle business this week. Yeah, and, th- and we've all played there, right? This is going to be one of those games where this first five minutes is so important because the Illinois fan base, why I think, you know, while I think they're tops in the country, they're also very verbal, and, and you will hear some groans. Uh, if you follow up that Indiana game with, a, with a, a shoddy first 10 minutes and the Ohio State game looks a little sketchy, they're, you know, it's going to make everyone's, you know, tightness just ramp up a little more, so... I really think, you know, my key to the game, if I was writing something on the whiteboard, would be fast start, right? First 10 minutes. It just needs to look. And I think Brandon said one of the most important things we've said in all four episodes. Not everyone needs to be hunting or trying to take this game over, right? Let's see what happens in the natural flow of the offense. I think when we're playing our best basketball in the way that we're going to match up with Ohio State, is like get the ball into danger, let them kick it back out, let the shots come naturally. Um, and I just think it's kind of, for me, I don't know if it's a great thing to catch a team on an 0-5 skid, a team that's as talented as uh, Ohio State. They're going to, I mean, you want to talk about backs to the wall. Um, that actually frightens me more than it excites me. I mean, you said it just right there. That's exactly the where I was going with it. You know, this is one of those games where it's like Ohio State's in desperation mode. They need a win. They've, they've lost five straight. They're going to come in and they're, They've, they've really got nothing to lose at this point. So, again, it's a dangerous game to, to play in. And God, I got to go into, with the mindset. For us, it's another desperate game because, you, you know, we dropped one at home against Indiana. You know, good team. How well this team's going to play later on in the year, we don't know. But this is a game that you're supposed to win. Win the games you're supposed to win. 
steal a couple games on the road. Uh, and, and I see this as one of the games you're supposed to win. You can't let them come and they can't build their confidence off of this game, right? Let them build their confidence off another game. We got to take care of this game and get ready because you said, like you said, Sam, we have Wisconsin waiting for us. So, and not a lot of teams go in there and win. Not a lot of teams go in there and outplay them, out hustle them, you know, out tough them. And that's just how Wisconsin basketball is. But, you know, uh, Do they still play with that janky ball up there. Jeez, like the the wave or whatever it was, the Adidas. The I don't know what that was, man. That, <laughs> yeah, that ball was, was outrageous. I don't know. Yeah, I I think a point to make too is what you what you both just said about you know Ohio State coming in. Uh, it's a game you got to win. They're reeling. They lost five in a row. Like Bill, you said that's dangerous. Like that's a desperate desperate team that's probably going to come in feeling like they have nothing to lose, right? Um, so that's scary. But I think that speaks to I mean this conference, right? Like. It's it's a gauntlet. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you go lose Indiana, you have to play Ohio State on Tuesday, then you got to go to a rematch at Wisconsin, who you just beat. Their best player just returned two games ago, and it's fresh. Um, it's it fresh just speaks to the yeah. I mean, it just speaks to the how tough this conference is day in day out. And, and I think Tom Izzo talks a lot about you know the gauntlet that it is, and you hear all these coaches in their post game pressers. It's like it's a grind, right? And I, I guess there's no better testament to see what these guys are are made of um, than this week coming up. Yeah, and, and I mean that Wisconsin that Wisconsin game looming afterwards. Tyler Wall is going to be back, I, yeah. I think, right? So, yeah. I mean they were first or second with Purdue up until we played them when he was playing for them, and we all saw what they did with Kansas down in the Bahamas tournament. Like, so if if he comes back and they click, I mean. I mean, there. I mean, I don't have to rehash what you just said. I mean, but you better have your head screwed on these next this next week because it does not get any easier. It only gets tougher from here. And then you've got, you know, Purdue. Eventually, we haven't played yet, and I, you know, they better have a plan for Edie because he might be more of a load than Trace Jackson Davis is. Um, and I don't know that that game's scary. I think they're you know they're a Final Four caliber type team, so I think we're going to be all right. It's just we're going to have to just one by one. I was taking these last couple as like two game sets because you almost had to beat Nebraska to beat Michigan State. You almost had to beat Minnesota. And and now I think the mindset shifts to like whatever it takes, just squeak out a one point victory and move on to, to Wisconsin. All right. Uh let's transition now to uh one of our favorite segments. Um Word on Campus. Let's have a little fun. Yeah, so we, we've had some fun with this over the last few episodes. Uh, the first one, obviously, we talked about uh, Sky Clark last last uh, last week. We got into our experiences uh, with the media um, and how to handle that. Uh, this week, um, Brandon uh, was nice enough to send out a tweet earlier um, to some Illinois fans um, and ask some questions that we could answer. So I'm just going to lead this and go on Twitter and look at Brandon's mentions and see what some of the people want to hear from you guys. Um, Nobody's asked anything about me, which is great. (laughs) So um, I think probably this this segment's going to land a lot on Brandon. So I'm going to scroll through here. And Brandon, if there's anything you see that you want to talk about, let me know. But first thing here that jumps off the page, um, someone asked, What's the best thing you heard as a player from the student section, home or away? And I'll let you both touch on that. Go ahead, Bill. 
Oh man, I have I have two, so I'm going to make it quick because I feel like these need to be heard by the world, and they've never been spoken about to this day here. So my freshman year, I rolled up to Michigan State, which is already kind of a scary experience, right? First time ever playing uh, at the time was like, you know, an absolute powerhouse college team, like maybe the best in the Big Ten at that time. And I walk into the Breslin Center, and, and their their fans are a little different. Like when you get there four hours before the game, they're there. Their f- whole entire student section they're is there, there waiting. And and I didn't realize this. Like you know, again, I'm like a few months out of high school at this point, and. Uh, I didn't realize this, but they pass out a full-blown like FBI reconnaissance notebook <laughs> on every player, their girlfriend's name, their sister's name, their family. And then I look over in the stands. They have blown up a full-blown poster board of me from prom night with my <laughs> shirt off. And I'm, we, you know, we got to get that picture. Yeah, and so. And so I'm literally drunk as a skunk in the picture. There's, you know, my my prom date is there next to me. Um, she's got some things going on that we won't mention <laughs> in the picture. And they are just like hysterically laughing. It's like a six foot tall poster board. And I'm talking it's four hours before the game. I don't think I even hit the rim in warmups. I was so <laughs> and uh And so the worst part about it is, you know, you think that, like you're a freshman and you finally get through the game and you hit the bus and you kind of take that deep breath. No, no. They passed that picture down for four straight years. I remember them. Oh. I remember them calling coach That's McLean awesome. over when I walked out oh. and was like, what is Bill doing in this picture? And he's looking at me. So he's like, that's not you. Is it? That was like the original when like that was early on in the Facebook days when you were like, Oh shoot, I actually yeah. have to be like protective of who, has access to my pictures mm-hmm. and you know people tagging me in prom night albums and then the the second one sorry i didn't speed it up like i said i would but the second one i think is very timely because of the indiana game last night so i have a big contingency of hoosiers in my family so my brother went to iu when i was at illinois my cousin my my closest cousin went to iu they were both there they were freshmen they rushed a frat and so my senior year, we go into Assembly Hall in Bloomington, Indiana, and it's like a real tough game, like good Indiana team my senior year, like Will Sheehy and those guys. And our game, game's super close. All of a sudden, timeout, we have the ball. We're down one with three seconds left, right? So if you've ever played at Assembly Hall, they might have one of the loudest fan bases. It is like awesome. super loud. And those, those dudes right are on top crazy. Of you too. And so... If, so we get over to the timeout and Bruce is like drawing up a play, right? And of course he has me taking the ball out of bounds, sideline out of bounds to win the game. The shot was not coming to me. And uh, Brandon and Dimitri, this is a side note, both come over to me on the way out of the huddle. They're like, throw me the ball. I'm going to make this shit. So, so now I'm already stressed out because you don't know, like you're going to let one of them down, right? And then I walk over to the sideline to take it out. And first of all, the Indiana fans are sitting on the floor. And so the, the ref's about to hand me the ball, and they're like, the way that they're like boxing me in, they've literally taken away my angle to throw it to the corner. And keep in mind, I also have like a 6'8 dude jumping on me, like waving his arms. And there's like, there's like no chance I'm taking a five second call, right? So I'm going to throw it to the first person I see that gets open. <laughs> well, 
So I'm looking at the ref. I'm like, can you please scoot the, the these these fans back? I can't even throw space. it to the corner. And that's where like the play is. Right. So I'm trying to back up to give myself some space. All of a sudden, the ref hands me the ball, you know, crunch time, need to make a play, need to make the right pass. My brother, unbeknownst to me at the time, I thought it was just a random fan. My brother's fraternity brother is one of the guys sitting courtside, sticks his finger in my ass. <laughs> like the second, the second the ref hands me the ball, right? And so, but all I can see, all I can see is the ref counting like this. And so I'll, 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 I like look at the ref. I look at his hand counting, and I'm thinking in my brain, "Well, now shit. Now that I've processed this finger in my ass, I've only got two seconds to throw it in." So thank God, Dimitri like popped open. I threw him the ball and got the ball unbounded. He missed it. We lost, and the rest is history. Oh, but that's unbelievable. I was going to guess Dimitri made a play. No, no, no. I, I would have guessed it too. I would bet on Dimitri anytime. But I, I just, Brandon, I'm sorry, but I threw it to the first person I saw. I was flustered. It is what it is. He had the experience at the time. And like Sammy said, like he was definitely a walking bucket. So <laughs> I think we all had to trust in him when he had the last shot. Um, to, to wrap it up, you know, let, let's get back into the, the hoop segment of it. Um, you know, coming off a, a tough loss versus Indiana, we mentioned it, uh, two big ones, right? So got to take care of business at home versus Ohio State. It's not time by any means to hit the panic button. I think Bill said it best as far as those first five minutes of that game, you're going to see an emotional team come out uh, that's going to be ready to play. But can they can they continue that for the next 35 minutes uh, and continue to execute um, and get better and, and in the end go win that game because um, it's going to be a desperate Ohio State team. And then to follow that up um, is going to be Wisconsin, right? Wisconsin comes in. Um, you squeak by them without their best player. Their best player's back. Got to go to Wisconsin, one of the toughest places to win um, in the Big Ten, um, and, and try and get that one too, and steal one on the road. Um, that, that you know, get one back that you just lost for for Indiana at home. So not time to hit the panic button, right? Um, four and four in the Big Ten. Uh, a lot of basketball left to be played. And here's the other thing too, right? There's a whole Big Ten. Everybody beats each other up. I mean, you got mm-hmm. you got Purdue right now. That's seven and one, uh, but other than that, I mean, it's 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 pretty jumbled up, right? Anybody can beat anybody, um, so you just got to hang in there. You got to win the games you're supposed to win, and then go try to steal a few others um, that maybe necessarily, um, you, you know, you catch catch a team on a down night or something. So, both of you, uh, thanks a lot for joining again. Uh, having a lot of fun with this. Uh, I hope you two are as well. Um, stories are great. Um, analysis um, and perspectives from you guys are awesome again uh, at buckwild bill uh, 33 uh, brandon's at bp3 um, champagne rune hoops podcast Uh, we'll see you guys soon Uh, thanks again for joining us beyond the big 10 is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things big 10 we cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now. <laughs>